You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. It's insidious, pervasive, corrosive, and in the age of materialism and social media, it's really an ever-present temptation. We're talking about the sin of envy. It might be a problem you don't know you have, but pastor and teacher Mike Fabars is helping us diagnose this issue. He is also the founding pastor of Compass Bible Church, and he joins us now. Pastor Mike Fabars, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here, Bridget. Glad to be a part of the program. Is this really a problem? <laughs> you decided to write a book on this. It must be an issue, but it's something we try to hide, isn't it? It is, and it's funny that I, I wrote this book knowing there wasn't hardly any books out there in the current market that address this problem. And yet, if you were to go back in history, a thousand years, 1500 years, I mean, 1800 years, you would find they were talking about this sin all the time. Mm. Matter of fact, you've heard of the seven deadly sins. This was always one that the church said, we better get a handle on this root cause of all kinds of problems, or we're going we're gonna to really have a messed up Christian life. We can't live the Christian life without defeating this enemy. So I really think it's high time that we give a little attention to this because it is something that is a root. It's a fountainhead. It's a cause and a catalyst for all kinds of problems in our lives. Well, maybe we should start by understanding exactly what we mean by envy, because so often we use the word jealousy and envy interchangeably, but is there a difference? Yeah, you know, we are jealous when someone else is doing something they shouldn't do with what we have. And there's a lot of times when that's the right thing, right? We can have a righteous jealousy. I think of Exodus 34, God himself says he's a jealous God. His name is jealous. He couldn't even say that more emphatically. So we know it's not sin to be jealous if we see someone encroaching on something that's not theirs and it's rightly ours. Could be our spouse, could be our property, it could be you know our children, I don't know. There's a proper time for jealousy. There is jealousy that's sinful though. There's a kind of jealousy where I start claiming friends as my exclusive friends when I don't have any right to say they're my exclusive friends. But coveting is a whole lot worse. Coveting is uh, really the base of what envy will uh, give birth to envy. In other words, coveting is this strong desire for things I don't have that I really want. And you might remember the Ten Commandments. Commandment number ten is do not covet. It's a it's a foundational problem. But if it grows into a resentment toward people that have it have something I want, have something I would like to attain, have some achievement, some blessing that I don't have, I start to get resentful toward them. I start to be critical of them. I start to gossip about them. I start to do all these things that really tear up my relationship with that person. Uh, case in point, most egregious case in point is is Cain and Abel, right? Here's Abel ex- getting a kind of acceptance from God that Cain wanted, and God got on the scene and said, hey, Cain, you can fix this. Let's just fix it between you and me. But he said, no, I want what my brother has, and I'm resentful that he has it, and I don't, and he ends up killing him, as you know. So uh, it, we do a lot of things short of killing our, our friends, but it is our friends. It is our coworkers. It's people that make more money than us, people that are more beautiful, more handsome than us, people that are smarter than us, that we start to feel this resentful, bitter, you know, caustic feeling toward that's all based on a coveting that grows into the sin of envy. So it's different than jealousy. It has a connection uh, and jealousy can be wrongly, uh, you know, uh, expressed, but envy is the thing that really messes everything up. I just 
read the story about baseball players that made, you know, they turned down $20 million because it wasn't enough for them. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And I feel kind of that envy in my heart because why are they making $20 million and I'm not, all right? So that it it does affect us. You talk about different costs that it has. You talk about an internal cost. T- tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, well, and I would even say, Eric, if I could, it's it's easy for us to be covetous of what the baseball players make or, you know, some guy that lives in a mansion here in Beverly Hills. But what really bugs me, right, is someone's got the same education I do. It's in the same industry that I'm in. Like, Eric, if I said, well, there's another morning show guy. He's making twice what you're making on the other Moody affiliate. And uh, he's got twice as many followers on on Twitter. And, and man, he's just doing so well. And you're thinking, well, wait now a minute. Now you're bugging me, right? Now you're really now, getting now at that's, me. that's a problem, yeah. right? I, I, it's one thing to, to be kind of covetous of Brad Pitt, but it's another thing when it's some guy in my small group at church that I think, why is this guy, you know, get all the accolades? Why is this guy in the spotlight all the time? So really envy is a sin that's nearby. It's it's about the people around me. I, I get bitter about them. I, I work with them, right? They're people that get the attention that I want. Uh, they have the blessings that I don't have. And I sit around and think, well, why don't I have those? Why doesn't God do that for me? And we get bitter toward them. That's the real root problem. And, and it causes all the other things that we see when office personnel don't get along, when people on a staff don't get along, even when extended family members, when siblings, they just can't get along. And a lot of it is he's envious of you. She's envious of him, right? There, there's all of these these, these network of, of feelings that turn into bitterness and frustration. And I try to put, point those out in the book. It's probably a lot more relevant in your life than you think, because we just look at the symptoms and we don't look at the cause. All right. Well, Pastor Mike, then how do we defeat that? Yeah. Well, you know, there's someone once said there's only, um, you know, a, a particular group of men or a man that you truly are excited when they do better than you in life. And that's your children, right? If you think about my sons, my sons just happen to be seminary grads and they're, they're pastors and they're in my own field, right? Uh, I, I have a genuine excitement when they exceed all of my effectiveness in my work. And it's because I love them. I have an innate God-given love for my children. I want them to do better than me. Uh, But I don't feel the same way toward my classmates. I don't feel the same way toward the guy down the hall uh, because I don't love them the way I ought to love them. And I think that's the challenge. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, just think of that list. Remember, right up near the top, love does not envy. It's the first thing in the list that God says love is not it doesn't envy because real love to invert it, it always rejoices with the blessings that are given to those that I love. If I really love someone, I want them to be blessed of God. And it doesn't matter if I don't have that blessing. And so if I could just learn to love my coworkers, my fellow Christians at my church, the way that I love my children, and I really am excited when God pours and lavishes the blessings upon them, Right, then I'm starting to defeat this with biblical virtue. Biblical virtue is love. It's rejoicing with those who rejoice. It's affirming God's sovereignty, that God is free to be generous to other people, more generous than he is to me. And I should be able to rejoice with them that God is generous to them because I believe in a sovereign God who decides to pass out beauty and bronze and brains however he'd like. That's a big word. Go over sovereignty for us for just a minute because— um that's a hard one for us to to grasp sometimes that he does rule over all things. I think we we want to have that rulership in our own lives, but he is sovereign. T- talk to us about that a little bit. 
Yeah. And, and think about this, just even with our children and our parenting, if we make our kids so competitive that we want them to be the best in all that they can possibly be, you know, the possibly is the problem that we struggle with because there's only so much our kids are designed to accomplish. There's always a kid that's smarter. There's always a kid that's faster, right? And in our own lives, it's the same way. I, I only have the brain that I have and it only functions the way it can function. I'm, I'm supposed to be a good steward of my life, but I can't possibly be what I see in other people. I have some friends that are in ministry that have amazing lives, amazing minds. They don't need much sleep. They remember everything they read. They're the most articulate. I I just think I can never be like that. And I should be okay with that because God is sovereign in putting pieces in place the way he wants. Think of that great discussion there in 1 Corinthians 12. The church is made up of all these different parts. And some parts do some things that other parts just can't possibly do. And that's okay. We should see every part as important because it plays a particular role. And so sovereignty is beginning to look in the mirror and say, it's okay that I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest, I'm not the brightest, but I am going to be a good steward of what I have. And I can really rejoice when one part of my life, whether it's a, a job, an office, or a church, is is honored. And I want to rejoice when they're honored. I want to be, I want to be excited when God does good things through other people because I can trust in the fact that God was sovereignly choosing to put me in the position that he's put me in, to give me the gifts that he's given me. And he's never going to be fair and equal in passing out his blessings. He just never is, not in society, not in a church, and not even in our families. So it sounds like the opposite of envy is really contentment. Oh, absolutely. And think about that. That's why this is such a good thing for us to conquer. Here's a little book I wrote, but if we could really start to deal with this problem, what you're left with is a contented Christian life. And I think a lot of people want peace. They want contentment. They want to be internally at ease. And the only way to really get there is to get this sin of envy and route it out of our hearts. We just need to get rid of this because all it does is make us anything but content. God knows what's best for us. When he said, don't covet, right? If we're not going to covet, we're never going to get to envy. But we got to start with those basic fundamental sins and make sure we see them. And like Psalm 139 says, we say to God, and that's what this book is all about, at least the first half, right? Search me and try me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. I want God to know my heart because I want to know with him my heart so that I can see the sin and then pray that God would help me get rid of it. And the second half of the book is all about that. How do I get rid of this? What are some practical steps that I can take to say, I'm not going to be an envious person anymore? Well, Pastor Mike Fabares, thank you so much. Again, the Mm. book is called Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. And uh, you can find out more about this book at our website, Bridget. Ericandbridget.org. Go there. You can sample a first chapter. I tell you what, this seems like a very timely and important resource. So head there, ericandbridget.org. And don't forget, listen to Pastor Mike Fabares at 930, Monday through Friday, Focal Point, right here on Moody Radio.